Listen, when Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike grab mics, it's real sports, real talk. On the field or on the court. If it happened in New York, it's covered like a blanket, dog. Interviews are ill, simply up close and personal. Batter up, Lloyd's batting first, set the tone. Mike see the right the stadium with a guard and on the phone. Here we go, Giants of Jets, Yankees of Mets, Knicks of Nets. This is only an intro, the show is next. of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Today is Monday, August 27th, 2018, and the show airs on Mondays from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and of course at LloydAThompson.com. So be sure to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss a damn thing and you can also catch previous areas of the show if you got any questions that you'd like for me and the mad mike to answer you can shoot them through email to lloyd at partmyfresh.com or you can send them directly to the website also me and the mad mike are also on social media lloyd a thompson one word instagram lloyd a thompson one word twitter that's l-l-o-y-d be sure to hit that follow button. And as always, listeners, another exciting show being shot at you today. Me and the man Mike are going to talk about the New York Giants and the New York Jets who had the New York-New York rivalry preseason football game over the weekend. I'm going to give you some reasons as to why Aaron Boone could possibly be fired even after having a good season in his first year as a Yankees manager. We're going to take some calls for the very first time from you, the listeners, so I'm excited about that. Let's get this thing going so it's always listeners. Let's buckle up, sit back and relax, and start spreading the news. Hey, yo! Let's get it! Ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday. That means it's time to talk sports with Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike. Let's go. Listeners, as always, we find out where the Mad Mike is and where he's calling from today. But unfortunately, Mad Mike is not feeling well, so he can't do the show. So we're going to have to get along without the Mad Mike, which is a tough task to do. But I think I'm up to the task to do that. So with that being said, we did have a football game that was played by the New York football giants and the New York Jets over the weekend in which the Giants pulled out a 22-16 victory as they were able to establish bragging rights over the New York Jets for at least one more season. Now this is an annual preseason battle at MetLife Stadium and the Giants won a 2018 clash again by the score of 22 to 16 and proving their preseason record to two and one. Now the Giants have one more preseason game against the New England Patriots that they're before they get started with the regular season and focus on week one and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I will say, maybe to Mad Mike's dismay, and maybe to some of your dismay, and I've been a harsh critic on this guy, but it seems like Eli Manning still 
has it. Now for the crowd that wanted to go to the Giants draft and see them pick Sam Donald. That didn't happen. And the Giants, in my opinion, took the best player available in the draft, which was Saquon Barkley. But it also showed that they felt that Eli Manning still had plenty left in the tank. <clears throat> Excuse me, listeners. Now, Manning looked like the old Manning. One, he seemed aggressive and throwing the football down the field and making plays to his receivers. Now, you know, head coach Pat Shermer believed in Manning and wanted him to run his offense. And Friday night's game, in my opinion, was a clear indication as to why. Davis Webb was quoted as saying that Eli Manning was the best quarterback on the roster, and he wasn't kidding. He wasn't kidding. Now, Manning has proven why he deserves to remain as a Giants starter. In my opinion, and he gives this team the best opportunity to not only win football games, but make the playoffs. And it also gives more, more of a learning curve for Davis Webb and Kyle Letta. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. One of those guys might end up on the practice squad. It's probably going to be Kyle Letta, as he's seen the less, least amount of time in the preseason. I'm expecting him to get a substantial amount of time in his final preseason game against the New England Patriots. So we'll see what happens. I also want to give a shout out or props, I'm sorry, to Wayne Gallman as he's clearly, in my opinion, the number two running back behind Saquon Barkley. So if you watch this game, it should have been a strong indication of this. But in my opinion, Friday night's game should have sealed the deal for Wayne Gallman being number two. Not only did Wayne Gallman, not only is he the second best running back behind Saquon Barkley, I also think that he deserves more playing time moving forward. Now, the Giants signed Jonathan Stewart in the offseason. Now, Stewart has had a, a, a good career. I'm not going to say a great career, career, but he's been a very good NFL running back. But, to simply put it, he has not been good as the New York Giants in the three games he's played this preseason. Now, a, a lot of it has to deal with the, the offensive line blocking. He really hasn't had much room to run or much space to run thus far in the preseason. But, with that being said, he had a costly turnover when the Giants are inside the Jets' territory as he was stripped of the ball in the Jets' Leonard, uh, Leonard Williams. I'm sorry, I forgot. I don't think that it... Forgot the young man's name. I'm drawing a blank. I think it's Leonard Williams, defensive tackle from the New York Giants, picked the ball up and started running down the field, and he was tackled, you know, and that was a costly turnover because you just can't turn the ball over in a red zone. You can't do that. Just can't. So the Giants have given everything for Stewart to be the number two running back. He was the number two running back on the depth chart, but... Goldman thus far has outproduced Stewart in each game and it's becoming more increasingly clear that he's a lot more versatile than Jonathan Stewart. So I want to give Wayne Goldman his props. I think he should be the number two running back behind Saquon Barkley. We'll see what happens as that running back battle continues to go on. Now the Giants got some bad news as Olivier Vernon was carted off the practice field What's known as an ankle injury. We ha I haven't heard any reports as to how severe that ankle injury is. 
We'll see what happens. But before Olivier Vernon hurt himself, I do think that he was thriving in his 3-4 scheme. So in two seasons, working under Steve Spagnola's 4-3 defense, Olivier Vernon was decent, but mainly, you know, but I'm sorry, <clears throat> many thought, including myself, that he hadn't been living up to his lost contract that the Giants had given him, and I've spoken out against that. Mad Mike has spoken out against that, but in my opinion, in James Betch's 3-4 defense, Vernon has looked like a pass-rushing monster so far, which is more indicative of the player the Giants expected when they handed him that $85 million deal. Is he an $85 million player? I don't think so, but he's starting to get some value out of the deal that the Giants gave him when they handed him that deal. Vernon was bull-rushing and at times abusing some of the Jets' offensive linemen and forcing the issue on defense. Now, switching to the 3-4 defense so far has worked out well for Giants and Vernon, and he seems to be thriving from it. But hopefully this ankle injury is not that severe, and he'll be ready to go week one against the Jackson, Jacksonville Jaguars. Another thing that I want to point out, listeners, is that I've talked about the Giants kicking game and that the Giants kicking game is a weak spot for this team. I have to give Aldrich Rojas some credit and said that he's looked much better. Now, maybe there's a reason why the Giants decided not to sign a veteran kicker to compete with Rojas in the preseason. He had a shaky rookie season, a very shaky rookie season. But on Friday night, Rojas was perfect. He was 4-for-4 four four in field goals, and he also connected from 48 yards, 40 yards, 27 yards, and 21 yards on field goal attempts. Now, with that being said, I want to point out that Rojas has struggled on some of the longer kicks last season, particularly in the 40-plus yard range. But so far, Rojas seems to be much more comfortable in his attempts. And let's point out that he made a 50-plus yard field goal against the Detroit Lions in the second preseason game. So the Giants' patience could be rewarded in Rojas as he looks like he can rebound from a rough rookie season to have a better sophomore season in the NFL. Now, I've also pointed this out, listeners. I said that I didn't think Odell Beckham Jr. was going to play one preseason game, and he hasn't. And you know he's not going to play in their last preseason game against the New England Patriots as he's still trying to hopefully ham out this contract situation. And you just want him healthy going into the season. And also, it made sense that the Giants sit out Saquon Barkley as hamstring issues can be very funny and you want to have him full tilt, you want to have him full goal come game one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it was the third straight preseason game that Odell Beckham Jr. dressed but didn't take part in the game for Big Blue. And again, that's to be expected. For the second straight game, Saquon Barkley did not take part in the game after he suffered that mild strain of his hamstring earlier this month. And I think the Giants are playing it right on both parts. Although Barkley was cleared for football activities this past week, the Giants, again, made the smartest decision not to take a chance on him injuring himself before the start of the regular season game. Now, 
if Beckham hasn't played in any of the first preseason games and Barkley hasn't played in the last two, it's a, probably a done deal that you're not going to see him, either one of them, in the final preseason game, as I just said. Usually that final preseason game is mostly done for players that are on the bubble or players that are fighting to earn a roster spot on a 53-man roster. So that's what you'll see in the final preseason game is you'll see the second-string guys, the third-string guys trying to make their final impression for the coaches to earn a roster spot on the team. So, and that's perfectly okay. You know, un no reason in taking unnecessary risks with superstar players. You know, there's been rumblings and reports that people are saying that he's missing valuable time. There was reports that Eli Manning said that he's missing valuable time and that he needs to be out on the field. But I was watching an interview with one of the greatest running backs to ever play the game of football, LaDainian Thomason. And LaDainian Thomason, he was asked how important is it for him to, you know, for Saquon Barkley to be on the field during the preseason. And LaDainian Thomason stated that he played one preseason game and it wasn't a full game. He played a half and he went out in his first game and rushed for over 100 yards. So, you know, if that's coming from one of the greatest running backs to play the sport of football, I'll take that. I'll take it. But they also asked him about the difficulties of picking up blitzing, you know, blitzing packages in the NFL. And LaDainian Thomason's response to that was that he felt that that was something that Saquon Barkley could learn while he's in practice. Obviously, going through those types of blitz packages against your own team is different then going through it against other NFL teams. But we'll see. Benefit of the doubt is this young man is a heck of a football player. And he's a smart football player and a student of the game is what I've gathered following him since he's been drafted as a New York Giant. And I, and I totally see him not having an issue with that. There's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some learning pains that he's going to go through as a rookie in the NFL. But Giant fans... He's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. I think he's going to be okay. Hopefully that's the case. Now, let's move on to the New York Jets. Being that I just finished covering the New York Giants. So, the New York Jets, you know, they played their all-important third preseason game on, on Friday. This is mainly the third preseason game in the NFL. Is a game where you really get to see the starters play more so than any other preseason game. So most teams, they'll run their starters on the field for the first two quarters. Sometimes they'll play them into the third quarter. But for the most part, this is the one game, the third season preseason game, where you get to see the starters play more so than any other game. Now, Joe Namath was in attendance on Friday night and chatted with all three quarterbacks on the field before the game. So, Jeff fans, of course, paid particularly close attention, as did I, you know, with Sam Donald. Now, Namath, he secured his spot in the Jets' love 50 years ago, winning the Super Bowl. And he led, the matter of fact, he led the team to their only Super Bowl win. So, that was 28 years before Sam Donald was born. Go figure. But the rookie still knows plenty about Namath's legacy, which means that he's a student of the game. And obviously, 
being drafted by the Jets, he knows about the Jets' history. So he's very charismatic, and obviously there's a lot of personality that fits, and it was awesome to be able to talk to him a little bit. That was Sam Donald being quoted. And he also quoted saying, the first time I met him, I was hoping that I'll get, you know, spend more time with him. I only got a couple minutes, but it was cool just meeting Broadway Joe to know the history that he has with this franchise. So that shows that the young man appreciated the opportunity to speak to Joe Namath, even if it was for a few minutes. But the good thing about playing an organization that has a quarterback of that enigma is that he has all season and he has his career as long as Joe Namath is around to pick his brain and to get to act, you know, get to know him and vice versa. So it was good that he did that. But I will say also, Joe Namath was in the booth and Joe Namath said that Sam Donald impressed him, you know, to the to the other two announcers. Now, that first drive that Sam Donald had against the New York Giants was a very good draft. Very good draft. He led those, he led the Giants, I'm sorry, he led the Jets offense to two touchdown drafts. And he made a couple of really good throws. But his best play of the game, in my opinion, was on a dump-off pass to Neil Sterling on a third and eight. And Donald changed the play at the line. He audible at the line what he saw with the defense, what the Giants' defense was bringing at him. So to see that type of maturity from a rookie quarterback audible to a play that was successful is impressive. So he gave the signal to the tight ends, changing the play and quickly found Sterling, who gained 13 yards easily picking up a first down. And there was other plays during the game where the Giants had the Jets in long third down situations and Sam Donald was able to get some first downs. He had a pretty nice run on the third and long where he stood in the pocket strong, didn't see anything, took off, ran down the field, and the key to not only doing that was that he slid to avoid taking a heavy blow from the Giants defenders as they closed in on him. So I thought Sam Donald played very well. I also think that he did enough to earn him the starting quarterback spot for week one against the Detroit Lions for the New York Jets. Now, Teddy Bridgewater... You know, he played the rest of the game after Sam Donald checked out early in the third quarter, including one series with the starters. Now, it's unfortunate that Teddy Bridgewater has had to play with the second-string offensive line and the third-string offensive line, as I think, listen, I would love to have Teddy Bridgewater in the Giants. Do I think that's going to happen? No, because I think he's going to stick with the Jets. The Jets would be foolish not to keep Teddy Bridgewater on his roster as Teddy Bridgewater, although shaky in training camp, as I reported, he's actually had a very strong preseason thus far. And again, he's continued to look really, really good when it comes time to game action in the preseason. Now, he's taking some big hits and emerging no worse for the wear. He completed 11 of 15 passes, listeners, for 104 yards. 104 yards. And he continues to prove. That he's once again. Capable of playing. At a high level. After suffering a severe knee injury. Now. 
Some could say that he probably outplayed Sam Donald the last two games. But keep in mind that Sam Donald has been going up against mostly starters. And Bridgewater has been playing against mostly backups. So, with that being said, that's why I give Sam Donald the nod as being a Jets starting quarterback over Teddy Bridgewater. Unfortunately, Matt Mike is not here. It would have been interesting to see what his take is on that. You know, because we had discussed that on the last show. But I also want to say that if there's a gap between Bridgewater and Donald, it's a very slim one. Very slim one, listeners. Perhaps Bridgewater can still win this job in the fourth preseason game. But it sure seems like Donald has a major edge only 16 days before the start of the season. So, again, I'm thinking Donald is going to start the season as a starter. If he doesn't do well, you have more than a capable backup and Teddy Bridgewater who could come right in and move this offense to help this team win some football games. Now, the one thing that I also want to point out, listeners, watching this game is the penalties. Oh, my God, Jet fans. If you're a Jets fan, you have to be worried about all the damn penalties that the Jets were making. Every time a Jets player commits a penalty, I'm hearing in practice, the entire unit of the offending player, offense or defense, has to drop down for push-ups for punishment. Now, Coach Bowles, he may want to switch to running or something else. As me playing semi-pro football for 10 years, I would rather do push-ups than run. Damn the running. Damn the running. But, the Jets, listen to this, listeners. Listen to this. The Jets committed 13 penalties for 108 yards against the Giants. 13 penalties for 108 yards, and some of those penalties negated first down plays when they were on offense, and some of those penalties gave the Giants first downs while they were on defense. You can't do that. You can't do that. They have to correct that going into the season. That's unacceptable. Unacceptable, but the bright side of things is it's correctable. And if you make those mistakes, you want to make those mistakes in preseason in the preseason and in preseason games and not during the regular season. But let's keep an eye out on that, listeners. Let's keep an eye on that. I also want to point out 12 struggles. Now, this is the young man that's supposed to replace Kevin Beecham, who's still out with a leg injury. And Brent Quelve started in his place of left tackle, and it didn't go well. It didn't go well, Jeff fans, as he was beat on a consistent basis, and he also looked overwhelmed for most of the night. Now, Quelve is in a tough spot. He's typically a backup on the right side of the offensive line, but he's been forced into starting at left guard when Beecham got help, hurt. And Biagelana, I probably mispronounced his name, which I do bad at that. I do bad at that. I'm sorry, listeners. But he's lost for the season. But I will say that the point isn't to crush 12. 
It's just that the Jets need to find some help at left tackle because if Beecham gets hurt again, if he gets hurt again, Quove, would, <laughs> Quove as a last resort is just not going to work. It's just not. It's just not, listeners. The Jets need to get that going. Maybe there might be a lineman cut that the Jets might be able to pick up a veteran lineman that might get cut by somebody else that the Jets might be able to bring. And they have money. They have money. Now, there were also some wide receiver debuts on the Jets' side of the football. Terrell Pryor made his, J his Jets debut on Friday. Now, he caught a touchdown pass in his first game of action since the ankle surgery. But the one guy that I praise and I continue to praise, and I think he's the best player on the Jets roster, is Quincy Nunwa. And he was also back as he recovered from hand injury and neck surgery. They both look good. And Nunwa, he holds in two catches for 28 yards. And he had two grabs. I'm sorry. He had two catches of 28 yards. And he had two grabs for 16 yards. Including a nice catch and run for a touchdown. So in this sign of things to come for prior. And the new one. Listen this. this. I'm sorry. I gave you the correct information. A new one holding two catches for 28 yards. And Urban Pryor. Terrell Irvin Pryor. Oh my gosh. See what happens when Mad Mike is not here. This is how much I miss him. This is how much I miss him. Terrell Pryor had two grabs for 16 yards. Including a nice catch and run for a touchdown. Now. If this is a sign of things to come for Pryor and Inunua. The Jets receiving core. Can be better than expected this year. Now let's not. Remove the fact that they have Curse. I like Curse a lot. And if they could get some type of productivity from the tight ends, the Jets are going to be all right. And, and, and Sam Darnold will have a lot of weapons, a lot of guys to throw the ball to. And let's not forget about, uh, I call him Skinny Mini. Think of Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is another threat that the, that the Jets have. So they have a pretty decent receiving core for either Darnold or Teddy Bridgewater. So I'm excited. Look, the Jets, I say this, I said this before. Mad Mike said this. The Jets have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs, listeners. A legitimate shot. I look at their schedule. They don't have the, they don't have one of the strongest schedules in the NFL. They have a lot of winnable games. I can see the Jets being five and one after six games. That's what I'm predicting. I'm predicting, I'm predicting that the Jets are going to be five and one after their first six games, looking at their schedule. But they can easily be 6-0. I also want to point out that their defense hasn't given up a touchdown in the preseason. So the Giants had the ball in the red zone. And they held them to a field goal. And other teams have had the ball in the red zone. And they've held them to field goals. And there was an interview of uh, Darren Lee. And they asked Darren Lee about the Jets' success and not giving up touchdowns. And I thought he said something that was interesting. He said, we don't even want to give up field goals. Giving up a field goal is unacceptable. We don't want to give up any points. 
And that's the type of mentality that you need to have. That's the right mentality. If he's saying that, I'm pretty sure that all other 10 guys down the field with him are thinking the same way. So that's a good sign. Who Jet fans. The Jets special teams, it's a mess. A mess. In the least surprising development of the night, Jets special teams continue to be an unbatted disaster. Disaster! Trent Cannon fumbled a kickoff return. Taylor Burlock missed the extra point. And the punt return unit gave up a 55-yard touchdown to Hunter Sharp. Let that soak in. Hunter Sharp. I don't even know who it is. I'm a Giants fan. I don't even know who he is. Hunter Sharp. So, talking to the coaches, you know, I was watching SNY and they was asking the coaches about it. And, you know, one of the coaches was like, I'm disappointed. I'm quoting the coach. He was saying, I'm disappointed because there were some people who had a chance to shine and make plays. They had an opportunity and given opportunity, some of them didn't fare too well. If you make a team and you're not on that starting unit, whether it's on the offensive side or defensive side of the ball, that's how you make it. Special teams. Special teams. And the Jets are looking shaky on special teams. They're looking shaky. Got to get that together. You can't give up punt return touchdowns. You can't miss field goals. You just can't do it. That's not, that's not going to win you football games. It's not. It's not. I'm going to move on to the next thing, which I want to call bubble trouble. And judging by the snap counts from the third preseason game, we all know when roster battles are typically decided, several, in my opinion, several notable Jets are in danger of missing that 53-man roster. And I just want to point a few guys out to you. Now, you may not agree. Again, this is my opinion, and this is how I feel. The first player that I want to point out is Chad Henson. Okay? He took only six offensive snaps late in the game. And Sharon Peake took only four. Outside linebacker Lorenzo Molden took only two defensive snaps, the fewest of any player. Now, outside linebacker David Bass, who led the Jets in sacks last year, took only three defensive snaps. Three. And he led his team in sacks last year. And then you have outside linebacker Dylan Donahue. He only took five defensive snaps. So those guys on the bubble, let's see what happens. Whew. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, listeners. I'm doing it. We trudging along. We trudging along. Now, one thing that I thought the Jets 
or one of the strongest things was their secondary. You know, you have two stonewall safeties and Adams and May. And then you have Tremaine Johnson in the corner. And you have Claiborne in the corner. But this, this secondary might be a concern. Like I was saying, it's supposed to be the major strength for the Jets. But it didn't look like it on Friday night. One game doesn't decide or dictate the overall consensus of this. But I'm just being subjective to the situation, listeners. Eli Manning connected on four passes for 15 yards or longer against the Jets starters. And this included a 54-yard bomb to Cody Lattimore, who burnt Morris Claiborne badly. Now, some of this is because the Jets can't get pressure on the quarterback, and they need to get that going. You got to put pressure on the quarterback because it alleviates stress on the defensive backs. Just face it. That's the reality of the situation. But this secondary needs to be better. They need to be better if the Jets want to defy expectations this season. I want to point out, I, you know, I forgot to point this out when I was talking about the Giants. Eli Apple. Oh my. Oh shit. Eli Apple. Garbage. Garbage. The John, he's listen. It's not gonna. It, they need to do something with Eli Apple. Listeners, they need to do something. He got torched the entire damn night. He got turned around on routes. They need to do something. He's not the answer. And it just seems like the Giants are trying to, you know, force his ego into thinking he's doing well. I told you I went to the practice. He got tortured to practice. I've watched every preseason game. It's not doing well. Then there was a play where a receiver dropped the ball. And he got up like he did something. He gave the Jets an incomplete pass. You didn't do nothing. That would have been another pass caught on you. The receiver just dropped the ball. This is going to be a problem for the Giants listeners. It's going to be a problem. The Giants need to correct this. They need to bring somebody else in. It's not going to work. Again, you can tell when a player has the it factor. You can tell he doesn't have it. No it factor. For Eli Apple, he's not going to get it. <sighs> I, I had to point that out because I forgot to say something like that. Just to, to, to say that to, to you guys. And as I was talking about the Jets secondary, it popped in my brain about Eli Apple in a Giants secondary. So I had, I had to, I, I'm sorry, listeners. I, you know, I was talking about the Jets. Bad to talk about Eli Apple. Now we're gonna we're gonna go back to the Jets. 
And you know, we're going to talk about some injuries. And the significant, the most significant injury that night was wide receiver Jermaine Curse. He didn't dress or play because of a sore abdomen. Now, cornerback Rashad Robinson also suffered a hip injury in the second half, and he didn't return. Now, I also want to point out, speaking of injuries, it made me think about the Giants and Evan Ingram suffering an injury as he suffered a concussion in that game. So he's under concussion protocol. I think, you know, hopefully he'll be cleared to play by week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he'll have this preseason game. He'll have the last preseason game. I'm sorry, he'll have the last preseason game, which is this week, and he'll have a, the Labor Day weekend, which teams don't play, to get himself together in preparation for the first game. So he has two, two and a half weeks, almost three weeks to get it together or to get himself out of concussion protocol. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens. But, you know, so far... I haven't really been in that, that impressed with the Giants preseason. They haven't run the ball well. They haven't run the ball well. I'm a little nervous about this offense, listeners. A little nervous about it. <sighs> so, before we go to a commercial break, I was talking about Aaron Boone. And if You know, there's, in my opinion, there's a possibility he could get fired. Now, y'all might say, Lord, you're crazy. The Yankees have the second best record in baseball. And I'll say to that, despite having one of the best records in baseball, there are some people calling for Aaron Boone's job, listeners. Simply looking at the records... Of both first-year managers in New York, it would be more logical for the Mets manager, Mickey Callaway, to get canned. Now, he might stick around. He has a, he's had to deal with deal with some injuries. Cespedes, Bruce, some injuries to that pitching staff. So maybe they'll give Mickey Callaway another shot. Maybe that. Maybe they will. Now, the Mets have been relegated to another disappointing year and have been out of playoff contention since June. Meanwhile, the Yankees, as I pointed out, they have the second best record in baseball behind the AL East rivals, the Boston Red Sox. Now, firing Boone would be a hasty decision and probably a harsh one. Because you look at the record, you look at how the Yankees are playing, you'll say, why? Why would the Yankees want to get rid of Aaron Boone? But when Boone was hired, listen, it's over the winter. He was basically given the keys to the equivalent of a Ferrari. Giancarlo Stanton was acquired from the Miami Marlins to join Aaron Judge. And Gary Sanchez. And those two guys were expected to create what is believed one of the most 
1-2 most dangerous punch home run hitting duos that the game has ever seen. Now I'm talking about Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Now Aaron Judge is dealing with a wrist injury, but before he suffered that, he was well on his way to hitting over 30 home runs. Giancarlo Stanton is over 30 home runs. And I will point out that I said at one point, remember listeners, when Giancarlo Stanton was hitting in the 240s. I said that when this guy catches fire, it's going to be a problem. And right now, he's hitting over 280 and he has over 30 home runs. I don't agree with him hitting in the number two spot because I believe you're taking so many RBIs away from him. And that's why his RBI count is low. That's why it's low. But he's carrying this team. Now, speaking of Gary Sanchez, you know, he was set to continue his ascension as one of the team's top hitters. Now, while the pitching staff was Severino, Sonny Gray, Masahiro Tanaka should have been enough to allow the Yankees to outscore their opponents. That hasn't gone, that hasn't gone exactly the plan, listeners. Sanchez has become a liability at the plate. He's hitting 188. And you want to couple that with his subpar defense and his extended trip to the disabled list. And this has almost been welcomed by the Yankee supporters. Now, Judge, he has 26 home runs, as I pointed out. He's been attempting to make his way back from an injury that he suffered, which was a fracture to his wrist on July 26. And also, Aroldis Chapman and Didi DeGorius has hit the DL. And that's put a lot of pressure on Stanton to carry this offense and support a pitching staff that was in a panic mode last month. Severino has ERA over seven in his last eight starts. Sonny Gray bounced to the bullpen, although he did have a strong start against the Baltimore Orioles over the weekend. J.A. Hat has been a Yankees best pitcher, and he can very well move himself up to A status in a, in a one-game playoff if the Yankees should not win a division and win a wild card spot. So those aspects have been out of Boone's control. You can't control injuries, and you got to do it the best that you have. You got to, you know, you got to, he's doing, in that sense, I give him credit. I'll give him credit. But what can be controlled is his team's desire and ability to beat lesser opponents. Listeners, listen to this. Listen to this. Minus a 40-13 and 13 stretch. From April 21st to June 21st, the Yankees have been nothing more than mediocre against teams with a losing record. Now I also want to be I also want to point out that that's been sandwiched between a combined record of 39 and 34. You can't lose series. To the Baltimore Orioles, the Texas Rangers, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, the New York Mets. You can't do that. Against the worst 
team in baseball. The Baltimore Orioles. The Yankees head into the series with the Orioles was 6-6. Six and six. Now, they won a day-night doubleheader on Saturday, which surprised me. And they won on Friday. So, they got to get back to winning series. That's the key. But they're 2-2 against the Miami Marlins, who they should have swept. 4-3 against the Texas Rangers. 7-8 against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And 3-3 against the Mets. Whew. Only the Rays on at least 14 games under 500. How staggering is that? And even with the injury problems and a couple of underachieving players, there is no excuse as to why the Yankees have such mediocre records, listeners, against bad teams. And that does fall directly onto Boone's shoulders. I don't know. Maybe it's not taking them seriously. Sometimes you play down to your competition. And possibly, it's simply overlooking them. But the reason why the Yankees are holding onto, onto the top wildcard spot in the American League and not challenging the AL East division is because of that. Now, they cut the lead down to seven games, and they're making a move, and they still have some games against the Boston Red Sox. In which they can win this division. It's not over just yet. It's not over just yet. But who knows. If the late George Steinbrenner. Was running things in the Bronx. He might be can't. But. I'll give him a pat on his back. As he's done a very good job. As his first year. As a New York Yankees manager. Just food for thought. We're going to take a quick commercial break, listeners. When we come back, we're going to take some calls for the first time. I'm excited about that. So we'll be right back with more of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Happy Monday, ladies and gentlemen. The coffee has been poured and all is right with the world. This is A.O. Baker from Part of My Fresh, and I'm the producer for the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Show. Thank you for listening, subscribing, sharing. And if you're not already subscribed, you can do so at Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Google Play, Anchor. We're also working on some new platforms like Spotify, so you can expect to see the show there very soon. For comments and questions, make sure you follow at Lloyd A. Thompson, that's two L's, on Instagram and Twitter, or you can send an email to Lloyd at partofmyfresh.com. Hit partofmyfresh.com as well. Make sure you check my podcast, the AO Podcast out. Subscribe and listen there as well. And that's pretty much it. Welcome back to the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. And listeners, like I was saying during the intro, for the very first time, we have callers calling into the show. So our very first caller, who is a special caller, is Eric from the Bronx. Eric, thanks for calling into the show. How you doing? I feel great, man, to be the first one to call on your show. I'm happy to be that, man. I like your show, man. I like what you're doing. Appreciate it. Thanks for the support. So what question you got for us today? All right. So, you know, I got my little problems. He's so pro New York, but that's neither here nor there. You know, I'm a Trailblazers fan, and y'all keep eyeing my boy Lillard. What, in reality, do you think that we deserve to get for him if we was to trade him to you? Because I say nobody. 
Well, I, I agree with you. The only person that if I'm Portland and I would take for Lillard would have to surround Kristaps Porzingis. There's a lot of talk about Kevin Knox. There's a lot of talk about Mitchell Robinson. But I don't think if I'm Portland, I want any of those guys that would have to start with Kristaps Porzingis. And I don't think that the Knicks at this point are willing to trade Kristaps Porzingis. So it's a long shot that the Knicks get Damian Lillard. I think Kyrie Irving is more of a, you know, a person that can actually on the radar. He'll be a free agent. And it's actually a person that I can actually see the Knicks realistically getting more so than Damian Lillard. But don't get me wrong. I'll take either one of those guys. But I'm not mad at Kyrie. Thanks for calling into the show, E. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me, y'all. Keep it going, though. Next caller is Diamond Biscuits from Alaska. And he's actually one of our biggest listeners and biggest supporters. DB, what's going on, brother? How you feeling? Uh, hey, Lloyd. What's going on, man? I just want to say a first-time caller, long-time listener. Never miss a show, bro. Oh, man, we really appreciate that. Thanks for the support. Uh, what question you got for me and the Mad Mike today, DB? All right, man, my question involves LeBron James. All right, do you think the way the Lakers built and put players around LeBron that didn't back down from him when they played against him will help show the younger players on the team how to move and work better as a unit, hopefully to bring the Lakers back to irregular playoff contenders after LeBron leaves? All right, well, here's the thing. I think, first off, it was kind of out there that LeBron was going to the Lakers. I think it's a big pickup for the Lakers. And the one thing that I've always given LeBron credit for, DB, is that every team that he's been on when he was with Cleveland, then he went to Miami and came back to Cleveland, he's always made everyone around him better. And that's one of the biggest things that these young Lakers are going to get from LeBron James. He's going to show them work ethic. He's going to show them how to win. And he's going to show them how to be a professional ball player on and off the court. So this is a big thing, not just for now, but for moving forward. And having LeBron James on this team, it makes this team so much more appealing to other free agents. So I think at some point, the Lakers are going to get back to those glory days. I don't necessarily know. I don't think, I'm sorry, I don't think they're going to win a championship this year because I think Golden State is just that good and them getting Boogie Cousins made them that much better. But if LeBron could get another sidekick, because he doesn't have a sidekick now. He has a bunch. I always I say, you know, he has some good players there, but nobody that I think puts them over the top. So next year you have Kawhi Leonard. You have some big-name free agents that will be free agents next year. And if they could get one of those guys to come to the Lakers next year, I think that the Lakers have a strong shot at winning a title in a few years, and maybe in about two or three years. I give them about maybe about a year or two after they get another star there because, you know, obviously they're going to have to learn how to play with each other like they did when they was in Miami when they had the big three. They didn't win anything right away. It took them a year to get used to playing each other and knowing each other tendencies. But I, I can see the Lakers... The chances of them winning a championship while LeBron James is in a Laker uniform, I would say is probably about 80% or higher right now. But thanks All for right. calling in. Appreciate the call, DB. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Anytime. All right. Have a good one. You too. Next caller is Sean from California. Sean, thanks for calling into the show. How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing good, man. How's it going, Lloyd? I'm hanging in there, man. Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. 
Yeah, no worries, man. Big fan. Love the show. Love how you guys are doing. Oh, Love man. It, man. Thank you. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. So what question you got for me and the Mad Mike today, brother? I just had a quick question about if uh, you think the Yankees are going to catch the Red Sox and uh, win the division. Well, you know, at one point, I thought the Yankees were out of it. And I didn't think they stood a chance mm -hmm. of catching the Red Sox to win a division. But now the Yankees are starting to beat teams like the Baltimore Orioles and the teams that they need to beat. And, you know, Matt Mike has said in previous shows that he didn't think that Boston could continue to play at the level that they were playing, that they would start losing some games. And before you know it, right now the Yankees are only seven games out of first place and we still have a month of baseball left to play. So there's a realistic shot. And not only that, Sean, not only that, the Yankees still have games against the Boston Red Sox. So there is a realistic yeah. shot that the Yankees can catch the Boston Red Sox, but it's going to be tough. But they're within striking distance, and that's a good thing. So let's see what happens. I hope the Yankees do catch them, but it's, they have to – listen, right now they're riddled with injuries. You know, Aaron Judge is dealing with the fractured wrist. Didi DeGorius is on a DL. Sanchez is on a DL. So the Yankees are fighting some injuries, but they're still winning baseball games. So if they can get those guys back at some point and make a final run towards the end of the season, I really think that they do have a good shot at catching the Boston Red Sox. But it might be a little bit too late in the season. Fingers crossed on that one, Sean. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, no worries, man. Thank you. We have Donovan from Strong Island calling into the show. Donovan, what's good, brother? How you doing? Thanks for calling in. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm all right, man. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Oh, good, good, good. So, uh, what question you got for me and Mad Mike today, D? Yeah, man, I got a question about um, Kevin Knox for the Knicks, man. How, how do you think he's going to do his rookie season? Oh, man, look, we saw quite a bit from him in the summer league and quite a bit that was that impressed me, impressed Mad Mike. I'm, You know, I know, um, I hope he impressed you. But the thing right. is, I was just saying on, on a previous show, D, that you just know when a player has it and when a player doesn't have it. When I saw right. Chris Daspazingas play, I knew that Chris Daspazingas had the potential to be a very good player. And right. I see the same thing in Kevin Knox. His athleticism, his ability to shoot mid-range shots, to be able to create his own shot. He has right. to get better shooting a three, which I think that's something that he'll work on and he'll get better at. But he has the intangibles to do all the things that'll make him a successful basketball player. And I really think that the Knicks hit a home run with this year's draft, more so than any draft that they had, you know, previously before this one. So I'm a big Kevin Knox fan. Obviously, going against guys in Summer League are different than going against the pros where he'll face top players night in and night out. But I literally right. think he has what it takes to be a successful basketball player for the New York Knicks, and the Knicks are heading in the right direction, man. So for the first time in a long time, I'm really excited about where this team is going. I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. Actually, I hope that they don't make the playoffs. I hope that they kind of finish in the bottom tier of the NBA league because I tell you, that boy Zion Williams, that's the kid named from Duke? Yeah. Oh, man, he's really special. And I would imagine, I mean, you know, as New York fans, we always like to think ahead, right? But imagine if the Knicks could be in play to draft somebody of that caliber or get a top five pick in next year's draft with Kyrie Irving, you know, being a free agent, Kawhi Leonard being a free agent, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant. 
You know, so now New York is becoming an appealing place to come to and play for. And when you have rookies like Kevin Knox, Mitch Robinson, Chris Aspazingas, the Knicks are heading in that right direction. Thanks for calling in, D. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Our next caller is L from Baltimore. L, what's going on, brother? How you feeling? What's up, Lloyd? What's up with you, baby? Oh, man, I'm hanging in there. Thanks for calling into the show. What question you got for me today, brother? All right, uh, hey, do you, how you feel about the NBA, you know, from, from, from now to, like, where it was when Jordan was playing? Do you, do you feel like LeBron could have played in that era and really did what he's doing right now? Oh, man, that's, that's a good question, L. To be honest with you, with LeBron being LeBron, I think LeBron can play in any era and be successful. The only thing is, as we both know, and I'm sure you know, back in the day in the Jordan era, them dudes balled out. They played Broad Street Bully basketball. So all this Correct. driving to the lane, you know, and dudes would knock you into the first row back in the day. Right. And now... I think it's more of a friendship thing in the NBA. There's a lot of players, not that they weren't friends in the NBA, but when they was on the court, Jordan and like Ewan, Ewan and like, you know, it was, it was a, when it came those, inside those baselines, it was, it, you was my enemy. Now I think there's a lot of, a lot too much friendship going on in the basketball court. But I thought, I think LeBron would have been successful back in the day and just as adequate as a player as he is now, man. He's a special talent. And we're definitely blessed to see someone at that caliber playing the NBA at this point in time. Nah, you right. You right. You know that was my question to ask for you. You know, I just, you know, I just want to hear your outlook of, of everything. You know how to go. All right, man. I appreciate you calling in. Thanks, man. Hopefully, we'll nope, get you nope. to call in again. All right. Stay blessed. All right. Have a good one. Our next caller is Nelson from the Bronx. Nelson, thanks for calling into the show, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well, bro. I'm doing well. I'm glad to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. Thanks for calling in. So what question do you have for me and the Mad Mike to answer, hopefully answer, give you a good answer? Well, basically, I mean, with the season starting, something I really want to know, what do you think? How close are the Giants are to, to this deal with Odell Beckham? You think they're going to pay him as max money that he wants? Oh, man. Here's the thing. I think Odell Beckham Jr., Deserves to be paid as one of the top receivers in the NFL. In, in the NFL, you know, I think he's definitely top three or top four. I don't think anyone can argue that. I was saying on a previous podcast, I was at a Giants practice and Odell Beckham Jr.'s agent was there, which was a good sign. But I heard that his agent came in at a much higher number than the Giants had and that they were going back and forth. And to be perfectly honest with you, Nelson, I'm getting a little bit nervous because there's one preseason game left, and then you have a, a week where they, they get to prepare for the season. So the season starts in about two to three weeks, and you will figure or hope that a deal will get done by this time. And kudos to Odell Beckham Jr. for not going public and going about doing his job and being in camp and being a professional and getting himself ready for the season. I hope that the Giants do right by him. I hope that he does right by the Giants. I'm optimistic that a deal will get done before the season starts. But this could get ugly if a deal doesn't if a deal doesn't happen. So I got my fingers crossed on that. But I'm optimistic that they could get a job a deal done before the season starts, before the season opener against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So with that being said, thanks for calling to the show. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me. All right, have a good one. You too.
Our next caller is Ricky from California calling in. Ricky, what's going on, brother? How you feeling? Yo, Coach yo, yo. What's cracking, homie? Yeah. Oh, man. What New York represent. Dude. I'm in Cali, but I represent Queens, baby. What's going on, Queens, New York? That's what it is. So what question you got for me and the Mad Mike today, brother? I got a few questions for y'all, man. Like, I want to know what y'all think about LeBron going to the Lakers, you know? And I want to know about how you feel about Saquon Barkley. All right. Well, the whole thing with LeBron going to the Lakers at this point, he's won championships. And I think it's about his family right now. So him going to the Lakers, I think, is a pure business decision for him. I think he's going to make the Lakers better. I think the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. I don't think the Lakers are going to win a championship as long as Golden State has the players that they have on their team. Now, you know, some people say, you know, why would he run from the East to the West? I think the West is a tougher road for him to the promised land. And the East, the East is a weak division. You see what he did in Cleveland? He had a bunch of misfits. He took those misfits to the championship. And, you know, obviously they wasn't going to beat Golden State, but that first game when J.R. Smith had that brain fart, you know, that was the, that was, to me, that was a deciding factor and them losing that series. But it's going to be tougher for him. So I think he's taking on the approach. And I think this is cementing his legacy even more as one of the greatest basketball players to ever lace him up and play the sport if he can take the Lakers back to the promised land. And I think if anybody can do it, Ricky, it's LeBron James. A.K.A. Thanos is what I call him. I don't know all about that, but sure. What? Thanos. What? You don't <laughs> know all don't about so. Thanos? Nah. It'll cop out. It'll cop out in the has been. Oh, right? well, tell me why you, you feel that. You can't, you can't me... play ball like a business no more, man. You got to play ball like the Warriors, man. You know? Pure love of the sports. Well, tell you know, me they why play you, like tell college me, leagues. Tell me why you think LeBron is a cop out. He's a cop-out, man, just like everyone else in the team, man. Just just going after the team that he wants so he could win. Well, you know, he, treat, he treats the whole league as, a, you know, I understand basketball players making business decisions, but LeBron, he just want to go to the team to get a ring. That's it. The only thing he cares about is the ring. He ain't give a shit about no Cleveland. You know, he went to the Heat, got a ring. He came back. You know, he got a ring for them, too. Okay, but he well, never care about the team. Let me run this past you. Ricky, all right, they, they say, I can understand him forming a team to go to Miami, and I know uh, C.J. McCullough spoke out and said he would never do the LeBron James thing or the Kevin Durant, I'm sorry, he said he would never do the Kevin Durant thing, all right, but he went back to Cleveland, and he promised Cleveland a championship, Ricky, and he actually delivered. Now, that Cleveland team that he won a championship with, he did have Kyrie Irving, and he did have um, Kevin Love. But this team that he just took to the championship, he had a bunch of misfits, Ricky. <laughs> okay, Understand okay. what you're saying, brother. He had a bunch of misfits. And now uh-huh. he's going to the Lakers, and the Lakers have a very young team. And they're putting a group of players around him that are all over the place. Lance Stevenson. That's true. You know, they're not putting they're not putting a great supporting cast around him in L.A. But listen, I'm guaranteeing, I'm guaranteeing to you right now, Ricky, that the Lakers are going to make the playoffs this year because that's how damn good LeBron James, a.k.a. Thanos, is, brother. 
And we're going to have this talk again at some point. And I'm going to do my show. And I'm going to say I'm shouting out my boy Ricky from California because I told him LeBron was going to make the playoffs with this team or take this team to the playoffs. And that's exactly what he did. Remember this day, Ricky. You really think he's going to make it to the playoffs? Oh, yes. They're going to get in. If, okay, look, the, okay. The Western so you Conference think, is tough, Ricky. The Western yo, Conference you, you is tough. You think he's going to win, though? No, 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 no. I'm not saying they're going to win a championship. That's right. They're going to get to he's the playoffs. He's going to lose like his hairline. Listen, they're going to make it to the playoffs, brother. Eighth, I give them between sixth to eighth seed in the Western Conference. That's how good LeBron James is. Now. another thing, man. I don't give a damn about the fucking playoffs in the NBA. I don't even know what playoffs means since 94. Well, I, well, well, that's coming from a disgruntled Knicks fan, and I'm a Knicks fan too, <laughs> so I get where that's coming from. But I even okay. think that's going to change in another year or two. Just be patient. Look, as a Knicks fan and another caller called in and asked this question, I do think, first off, I want to say please try to refrain from using profanity. That's the first thing. All right. I can't. Now, when I, when I need you when to I do your best. Next, Listen, I, I need you. I need you to do your best, or I'm going to end this call, Ricky. Oh I need my you to God, do your best. Yo. I need you to do your stolen, best. Yo. Listen, listen. I get it being a disgruntled Knicks fan, okay? But I think the Knicks are heading in the right direction. Just be patient. Free agents, some top free agents, are going to be free next year. They actually have. Been linked to wanting to play for New York. The Knicks had an excellent draft. Hopefully, I'm hoping that they had a bad enough season, have a bad enough season, where they have a top pick, a top five pick in next year's draft, coupled with the draft that they had this year. You sign, hopefully, Kyrie Irving, somebody else, and the Knicks will make the playoffs in another year or two. Guaranteed. Mark my words on that, all right? Now. I don't get, even know if I'm going to be alive. All right, I've been well, patient for you 24 years. Let's just move on to the Saquon Barkley question <laughs> that you have, all right? Saquon Barkley, there was, there was talks about whether or not the Giants should have took a quarterback or running back in that position. I'm glad that the Giants took the best available player with that pick, and that best available player was Saquon Barkley. Now, for a long time, the Giants haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher, and they really haven't had a running game. And I think that this young man is dynamic, and he reminds me a lot of a LaDainian Thomason. And LaDainian Thomason was on a morning talk show where he also where he spoke highly of Saquon Barkley. The only issue is if he's going to be able to pick up more blitz packages in the NFL, which I think he can learn. I think he'll be fine. I think the Giants are going to be okay. I'm not enamored with the way they look in the preseason thus far, but I think the Giants will get it together. Okay. Great pick by the Giants. Great pick by the Giants. Thanks for calling in, Ricky. I really appreciate it, brother. Yo, yo, yo. I got one more question, though. All right, what's that? Fire away. I'm going to let you get in one more question. Alright, uh, I can't remember that dude's name, man. He's a football player from Jacksonville. Uh, what's about Jalen Ramsey? Yeah. What you What you think about his interview with GQ, man? He made He made a lot of smack talk about a lot of players, man. He did. He did. Especially we, Eli Manning. We covered that on last week's show, and okay. you know I think Eli Manning is overrated. I said it. I said it five years ago. I'll say it now, despite winning two Super Bowls, Eli Manning is overrated. Now, I will say, because he did say Odell Beckham makes Eli Manning. Well, in some sense, Eli Manning makes Odell Beckham Jr. also. Okay. So, I, you know, in that sense, let's not take everything away from Eli Manning. 
Let's not take everything away from him. But I do think Eli Man is overrated. And I respect that young man. They asked him the questions and he gave answers. You know, I'm a big opponent of saying to my friends and to other people, don't ask me a question because you might just get an answer that you don't want to hear. And kudos to a lot of players. A lot of players were pretty much like, if that's his opinion, that's his opinion. You know, but I'm focusing on what I'm trying to focus on, and that's win football games for my football team. So I give props to Jalen Ramsey for keeping it 100, although I don't disagree. I disagree with a lot of things he said about some of the players, including his own quarterback. He gave his own quarterback props, and his own quarterback is a hit-or-miss quarterback. So if you're going to keep it 100, but you ain't going to crap on the quarterback that you currently have playing for your team, what does that say about your credibility for every other quarterback that you didn't give praise to? And that's where the problem comes into play with Jalen Ramsey. Hell of a football player. Hell of a football player, but I felt to a certain, but I felt he didn't keep it 100 because he didn't keep it 100 with his own damn quarterback. So we'll end it on that. Thanks for calling, brother. Appreciate it. You got it, man. Peace. Our next caller is Tasha from Long Island. Tasha, how you feeling today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. That's good. I'm doing good. All right. So what question do you have for me and Mad Mike today? I have a question. How do you feel about Carmelo switching to Houston? That's a good question. Well, my thoughts on Carmelo Anthony switching to the Houston Rockets is that it's a good move for Carmelo Anthony, but I think it's a bad move for the Houston Rockets. And here's why I say it's a bad move for the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets had Trevor Reza, who left and went to another team, and basically replaced, replaced Trevor Reza with Carmelo Anthony. Now, I don't think that Trevor Reza is a better player than Carmelo Anthony, but I do think that Trevor Reza fits the system that Houston runs better than Carmelo Anthony. So now you have Carmelo Anthony, who's known as a ball-dominant player. You have James Harden, who's known as a ball-dominant player. And you have Chris Paul, who's a ball-dominant point guard. So now you have three players that are ball-dominant that's going to have to touch the ball and start sharing the ball. Now, it worked with Harden and Chris Paul, as Houston won a heck of a lot of the games last year. But it didn't work for Carmelo Anthony and OKC. And I really don't think it's going to work for Carmelo Anthony in Houston. Although I do think Houston is going to make the playoffs. I just don't think that Houston is going to win as many games as they did last year. Okay. So no, I kind of feel the same. No championship for Carmelo Anthony in Houston Rockets uniform. I agree because I think that's why he went anyway. He needed a championship. He does need a championship. I'm, a, I wish, listen, so I'm, I'm a big Carmelo Anthony supporter. Uh-huh. And I would love for him to win a championship. I just don't I would think... I would too, being that I'm from New York, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it would have been sweet for him to do it in L.A., but I really don't think that LeBron James wanted him in L.A. or else that might have been where he went. But he's in Houston, and uh-huh. I don't think he has that much better of a chance to win it in Houston than he did with OKC. But we'll see what happens. Okay. Thanks for calling in, Tasha. And we have time for one more caller. Our next caller is Lance. From Strong Island, Lance, what's going on, brother? How you feeling? Yo, what's going on, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Hanging in there, man. Thanks for calling into the show. We appreciate it. Yes, yes. All right. So what, what question you got for me and the Mad Mike? 
You there, Lance? Hello? Did we lose yeah, you? I'm, I'm here. Say that again. All right, I said, what question you got for me and the Mad Mike? What are the Giants looking like this year? I'm sorry? What are the Giants going to look like this year? Listen, man. You know, it's, it's funny you asked that question because I was watching an interview that Stephen A. Smith had with Victor Cruz, and Victor Cruz actually picked the Giants to win a division. Now, I think that's a little far-fetched. I don't think the Giants are going to win a division. I actually don't think the Giants are going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to fall short of making the playoffs. I really haven't been that impressed with the Giants this preseason, but it is a preseason, and Saquon Barkley has been out, and Odell Beckham Jr. Is, has been out. Olivier Vernon just hurt himself. He had a leg injury. He was caught off the field yesterday at practice. So I don't know what that's going to happen. I've heard rumblings of Khalil Mack. The Giants going after the Khalil Mack. That ain't going to happen, I don't think, because right. that's a lot of money. And, you know, the Giants don't have the assets to give Oakland something back besides draft picks. So I, I see the Giants finishing 8-8. Eight and eight. I give the Giants 8-8 eight and eight or maybe 7-9 and nine, uh, this year. And I have them finishing third in the NFC East. Okay. So where, All right, man. Let me ask you, where do you, where do you have the Giants? Let me ask you, I'm going to ask the listener a question. Where do you have the Giants finishing in the NFC East this year, Lance? Oh, man. Um, yes, it's hard. I, look, I don't, I don't see that they've done enough with the line and, you know, really uh, do what they need to do for Eli. And, you know, it could be tough with a rookie uh, running back, even though I really like Saquon. It's hard to see them turning it around in one year and, you know, getting in the playoffs and whatnot. I still think this is a long process. New coach, new system and everything. So we'll see how to go. I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't bet on them going too far this year, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think the right side of the line needs a lot of work with Omama and Eric Flowers. The Giants haven't run the ball well this year, this preseason thus far. Um, so, you know, I'm a little worried about that, although they have kept Eli Manning upright. They've done a pretty decent job of protecting him so he can make some throws. But it's going to be – I'm not really enamored with the line and the way they're blocking, and it's going to be tough for Saquon. But one thing I will say about Saquon, Lance, is that this young man is ability to create he, – he has ability to create space on his own. And I think that's big. Okay. And that's something I don't okay. think any other Giants run – that any other running back – that the Giants have on their roster is capable of doing. Okay, all right, all right. I mean, listen, I did like the pick. I mean, you had to pick them, so I'm not mad they got them, you know? But you know what? Being that Sam Donald was actually playing well over in Jets land, you always get that, well, the Jets, I told you the Giants should have took a quarterback. They should have took him. Uh, the Giants did the right thing by taking the best player that was available in the draft. That was the best move that they could have made. So, fingers crossed. I, I can tell you're a Giants fan. I'm a Giants fan. I would like nothing more than for this team to make a playoff spot and win a division. But it's going to be a tough fight for them this year, Lance. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. We'll see how it shakes out. All right. Thanks for calling in, brother. Yeah. Thank you. And with that being said, listeners, that brings us to the conclusion of this week's show. I want to thank all the callers for calling in and asking me questions. Hopefully, I was able to give them the right answers. 
We'll see. We got to keep that going. I had a really good time doing that. I want to thank the listeners for continuously sticking with the show and showing us love. It's me and Mad Mike. Really appreciate it. And I want to thank our producer, Ayo Omar Baker, for keeping this thing going. I also want to wish Mad Mike a speedy recovery as he's dealing with some sickness. He has a little stomach bug going around. We miss you today, Mad Mike. Get well. Hopefully, we'll get you back on the show next week. Listeners, have a safe and blessed week. And me and the Mad Mike, I'll see you in seven days. So, hey, yo! Let's roll, baby! And just like that, much like my cup of coffee, this show is over, finished, finito, done, we're out of here. Thank y'all for listening. If you subscribed, much appreciated. If not, please do so, because brand new episodes drop every single Monday, and I would hate to see you miss something. LloydAThompson.com, part of my fresh.com. Subscribe, follow, at LloydAThompson on Instagram and Twitter. We're out of here. Peace.